It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Okay, if we're going to recreate this old pic of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits right. Well, for some reason, I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. I just use the S Pen to circle the outfit in the post, and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up. How did you... You shut it. Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. (laughs) (laughs) Circle it, find it with the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. It is Monday. Happy Monday, everyone. Yeah, let's have a happy Monday. Let's get our week started off on the right foot. And we are here with Let's Ride, another Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers here on Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. I thank you for taking the time to join me if you've been listening. Or maybe you're a new listener. Thank you for joining me under every Monday in the offseason. I have a guest on for my Monday morning conversation. And I like to think outside the box. Sure, I have some beat writers on. I have some people that are specific to the NFL draft. But sometimes I like to think out of the box. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had a great conversation with Joey Christopoulos. He covers the Chicago Bears, but it was a great talk about the connection between the Bears and the Steelers and the upcoming NFL draft. And that was right around the time that the Bears had just traded the number one overall draft pick to the Carolina Panthers. This week... I have a guest where, again, I'm thinking outside the box. So I'm thinking about, okay, Steelers, what's been going on? Terrell Edmonds ends up signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Steelers get Isaac Sayamalo, Andy Weedles from Philadelphia, Nate Herbig, LaRaven Clark. I was like, you know what? I want to get someone that covers the Eagles. So I reached out to a good friend of mine uh, who I, I've met in person, and he's a great guy. He covers uh, the Philadelphia Eagles for SB Nation at Bleeding Green Nation, and that's Brandon Lee Galton. Brandon is one of the most prominent voices amongst the Eagles' uh, overall fan base in terms of social media, and so I was really happy when he said he could join me. What you're going to hear 
is a conversation not just about these cross-state teams, but maybe a little bit about the rivalry. We're going to talk about the front office work that Andy Weedle did in, in his time in Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to talk about the players that the Steelers have acquired. Uh, and we're obviously going to talk about Terrell Edmonds because he's he's starting to get to know his new safety as the Steelers have gotten to know him a lot in the past. So coming up, we're going to di- we're gonna, I've been doing this. We're just going to have this is going to be the show. Uh, coming up after this break, we're going to have that conversation. So stay tuned for Brandon Lee Gowden and the Monday Morning Conversation. You will not want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's something special about winter in Colorado. The snow is deeper. Adventures feel bigger. And our natural beauty inspires every traveler. From snow-covered mountains and trails to unique cities and towns, new discoveries lie around every bend and new memories around every corner. No matter the place, no matter the day, everything shines a little brighter. Come to Colorado. Come to life. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday, and you know what time it is. It's time for the Monday Morning Conversation, and today I have a first-timer on this Let's Ride podcast. It's Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell the fans what you do? Well, Jeff, uh, <laughs> I write in a podcast for Bleeding Green Nation, where you can check out all of our daily Philadelphia Eagles coverage. I also, I guess I tweet about them, too, at Brandon Gowton on Twitter, so uh, sure. that's what I'm up to most of the time. Yeah, and, and a lot of Steelers fans are probably like, Jeff, what the hell are you doing? Like you had a you had a Bears guest on a couple weeks ago. Now you've got an Eagles. Like, what is going on? There is a ton of crossover within the Keystone State in Pennsylvania. Before we even get into the minutiae of some of these things with the Steelers and Eagles, I want to ask from the other side of the state's perspective, how do Eagles fans view the Steelers? Like that's a real that's always been, you know, you're talking different conferences. They don't play each other that often. The Eagles own the Steelers in Philly. How do they view the team on the other side of the state? I think that's a really good question because it's, it's, it's strange that these two teams are in one state because it's so it's yeah. like, cause like some people will point out that, you know, the distance between Pittsburgh and Philly is not like incredibly dissimilar to the distance between let's say like Philly and Boston. So, you know, that's like, that's just right. such a, you know, interesting thing to think about from that perspective. Um, you know, I think it kind of depends on where you live in Pennsylvania. I definitely know people who live closer to like state college, middle of the state, Penn state people yep. who can kind of um, go either way on that and might get annoyed maybe more so uh, Steelers fans might get annoyed more with Eagle Sands and vice versa uh, because of the, you know, the territory in the middle there. Um, but for the most part, you know, being located more so uh, in Philadelphia in the area, uh, I, I don't really think there's much of a rivalry there. I think there's like maybe a, a healthy respect. Um, I know my family personally, um, a lot of them grew up 
uh, or my dad's side at least, kind of grew up uh, near Acme, Pennsylvania, like uh, way out there in the West, and like we're doing um, um, like coal mining, that kind of stuff, um, or involved in that industry. So, uh, like you know, they grew up as Steelers fans, and I kind of have a respect for that. I think some of the some of the members in my family more <clears throat> uh, further out, not so much closer to, related to me, like our Steelers fans from that era. So, um, you know, I think there's a respect there. Uh, I know you know that historically the, the Steelers do not win in Philly. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a funny trend. But I know the Eagles don't always necessarily have the most success out there as well. I think Lyndon B. Johnson was the president last time the Steelers <laughs> won in Philadelphia or something like that. Like it's it's an insane statistic. And, and then I think right now with the Steelers fan base, if I were to flip the script and ask what do Steelers fans think about the Eagles, most of them are... Well, there's there's a recent bias and jealousy of the success the Eagles have had comparative to the Steelers. Obviously, uh, the Eagles have won a Super Bowl since the Steelers last even stint to a Super Bowl. And then on top of that, you know, winning the Super Bowl, going being to the Super Bowl last year uh, is definitely going to have that bias. But then the fact that the Steelers just cannot get over that proverbial hump in Philadelphia just is kind of like it just sticks weird with them. But it's very interesting because it is, like you said, it's it's a huge state. The state of Pennsylvania is a very large state, and you're on completely polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And then you even throw in like the history with the Steagles and where they had to merge franchises for a season because of the war and all that stuff. Just really crazy. But these type of conversations and the connection between these uh these two organizations, even going back to like the Busto days and all that stuff with the scouting departments and all, I mean, it's really crazy. There are a ton of connections right now here in 2023. I want to start off with a guy who was brought into the Steelers organization by Omar Khan, the newest general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, taking over for Kevin Colbert, who did the job for 22 years. And that's Andy Weedle, Whitehall, however you say his name, no one really knows. He came from Philly, and a lot of people, I want to get your take on this, because in Pittsburgh, everyone says this guy's fingerprints were all over that championship team in Philadelphia. Are Eagles fans saying that too? I mean, <clears throat> I definitely think he had a prominent role. If I'm not mistaken, um, Andy Whitehall was hired before the Eagles even necessarily had Joe Douglas in the building. And Joe Douglas was notably the Eagles vice president of player personnel, which was a big deal at the time because uh, this is going back to like 2016 where Howie Roseman was reinstated basically effectively as GM. That wasn't his title at the time. Um, but coming off of Chip Kelly, Howie Roseman was back in power. But Jeffrey Lurie had made it clear um, that uh, the Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie, had made it clear that uh, Howie wasn't just assuming full personnel control. Like he needed to bring in kind of, you know, a scouting head and and someone who was going to have a big voice in that room, especially when it came to player personnel. Um, so they got Joe Douglas from the Ravens. They also had, you know, Andy Wydell from the Ravens. Uh, and then once Joe Douglas uh, left to be the Jets general manager. He got hired away. It was Andy Wydell who stepped up in that Joe Douglas role as the vice president of player personnel. So he definitely, I think, played a significant role um, in these personnel decisions. At the end of the day, it's Howie Roseman's kind of final say in everything. But uh, Wydell played a big part. And um, I, I know that the Eagles considered it, you know, like a big loss losing him to the Steelers. Well, that was going to be my next follow up was when you all heard that he was jettisoning to the other side of the state, which he's he's a Western PA guy, you know, and, and it kind of maybe for him, it's, it's coming back home and he was going to have a big say in that, um, you know, the scouting department. And he was he's basically the assistant general manager for the Steelers. What was your reaction? I mean, were the, were the fans kind of like, dang, we lost this guy. This is a big loss or was it kind of ah, we'll move on? 
it's kind of like, you know, when you have a, let's, let's say like Shane Steichen this offseason, like when you have a hot shot offensive coordinator, you know, you can't keep him. Like yeah. you, you have a head coach in place. And that was the same deal with the Eagles here. Like they had Howie Roseman in place at, at the top making those final decisions. So ultimately, you know, they just couldn't keep him, um, especially if he wanted to go elsewhere and get a promotion and, you know, especially kind of go back to his roots, uh, as you mentioned there. So not shocked that they lost him in that capacity. Um, but yeah, it's again, and, and it wasn't just him. You know, it was also, they lost like Catherine Rach and they also lost, you know, and over the years, Andrew Barry, like they've lost a number of, and Brandon Brown to the Giants and um, Ian Cunningham to the Bears. They've lost a number of kind of key front office uh, members here. So that's, that's going to be important that, you know, they continue to stock this pipeline. Um, but I definitely think that that's part of the equation here is that like they lost a lot of key people and Whitehall was among them. You brought up that this is total sidebar. You brought up Chip Kelly. Man, I forgot that Chip Kelly was a part of the what year was that? That was a that was a dumpster fire, if I can recall. What year was that that he actually was in Philly? Yeah, it was so he was from 2013 to 2015, but 2015 was like the Chip Kelly year in terms of Howie Roseman was out of personnel at that point, and Chip had basically like full say over the roster. Um, it was a singular season. And it's funny because there's there's kind of been a you know a refreshing uh, mentally of of that time because the Eagles signed Marcus Mariota who everyone thought once upon a time was going to be you know their future franchise quarterback so he, he comes to Philly he's the backup now obviously behind Jalen Hurts um, but it's kind of funny that that finally happened. <laughs> I just totally forgot all about that. I was like, man, Chip Kelly actually was there. I totally forgot about that. So Andy Weedle was a part of that, like kind of reconstructing that team. And one of the players and one of the pieces that he brought in, which is now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, was uh, Isaac, is it Ciamalo? Is that yeah, how you say it? Ciamalo, yep. So I, I did look up your article when he signed with the Steelers, and they definitely have a plan in place to replace him. But how big of a loss is that, and how big of a gain is it for the Steelers in the same regard? Yeah, I thought it would have been nice for the Eagles to be able to get him back on a contract where, you know, you kind of wait out the market a little bit and he doesn't get quite what he wants and you bring him back and let's say like a one year deal. Um, but I never really saw that as super realistic because I think Isaac's a really good starter. I think he's like, you know, maybe like a hair below like a Pro Bowl. I, I could see him making a Pro Bowl. That wouldn't surprise me. Um I think he's a really, really good starter. Uh, he has the versatility to play basically every offensive line position. He's kind of done that at some point or other yeah. during his career. Um, you know, I don't think you want him at tackle, ideally, but in a pinch, he could play that. Um, he can play center. You know, he has experience snapping the ball, more so back in college. Um, he's mostly been at left guard in the NFL. Last year, he moved over to right guard because the Eagles um, had Lander Dickerson, who they drafted. And he did a good job of filling in for Sumalo. So they just felt like they could just shift him over to the right side. And he did a great job there. Um, the one downside with him is that he only played in 12 games, obviously, before the 2022 season. So injuries were kind of an issue for a little bit there. And he's entering his age 30 season. So you kind of wonder how that's going to go. And I think that's possibly why he was on the market for a little bit before he ended up signing a deal. I think teams, you know, might have some questions about that. But overall, you know, I think he's a really good starter. And I think this is a it's a it's a pretty logical good signing for the Steelers. Just to clarify, he played every game last season, correct? Yes, he played all 17 and then yeah, in the playoffs as well. And yes. What kind of injuries were was he dealing with prior to last season? You know, I think it was like, um, that's a good question. I kind of forget <laughs> off the top of my head. I was I was thinking about this. I think it was like um, leg stuff. You know, you're talking about like, um, I don't know if he had an ACL, but they were, you know, they were significant injuries in terms of, you know, he played three games okay. the one year. Uh, so he had a, a knee injury in 2020. And then he had a Lisfranc injury. So, you know, that's never oh, good. Foot. Foot okay. In uh, 2021. So. 
you know, I, I, again, I don't think those necessarily debilitate him, but it's just a kind of a, a thing you kind of have to monitor and wonder about, like, is he going to be able to stay healthy? I mean, before that, you know, he had, in 2019, he played all 16 games. Um, so, you know, it's not like he's definitely going to get hurt every single year. Uh, but if you're looking at, you know, the pros and cons column, you're, you're kind of putting durability as a question mark in there. Yeah, for sure. Now, the Steelers signed him to a multi-year deal. Were you surprised by the uh, the duration of the contract for him as a three-year contract? Um, not really, because I think, you know, again, he's a good player. And I think you look around the league, I think we've seen some offensive linemen kind of play uh, maybe a little bit longer than expected at certain spots. And, uh, you know, like, look, he doesn't have the full, I would say, um, like, if you're talking about tread on the tires, I think he has more left maybe than the average player drafted in 2016, because he wasn't a full time starter really until his fourth season. Uh, when he made 60, I mean, like, a, like actually starting from the beginning to the end. So I think there's some reason to believe that, you know, he doesn't have the maybe the normal wear and tear that a 29 year old guard would. Um, but again, you know, the injuries factor in there. So you have to weigh that. But ultimately, uh, no, I expected him to age well throughout this contract. That's a great point. Now, in terms of his style, you know, you talked about his versatility and he can play all across the offensive line if necessary. What is, if you were to kind of, describe his style of offensive line play how would you do that i think i'm, I'm gonna defer to what other like teammates and uh coaches say about him and just intelligent he's a very intelligent player he's also athletic um but he's not the biggest guy uh you know i'm looking at a spider graph here and this is obviously before the draft but you know you're looking at a player six four three oh three um so he's a bit slighter for a guard especially um so he's not like I this massive mauler is what I'm trying to say, but he's yeah. a very smart player. I think technically sound and also not just that in terms of um, like what he has to do, but understanding of what the d- defenses are trying to do uh, to, the, you know, his offensive line. That's something again, Jason Kelsey and the coaching staff, Jeff Stoutland, who's arguably like one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL have always said about him. Um, so I, you know, smart player and athletic player. I think that's what you're getting in him. Let's let's continue on the offensive line. Uh, the Steelers also signed a former Eagle tackle, the Raven Clark, to a one-year contract. Uh, I, I don't know much about this player, to be honest with you. It's one of the reasons I want to I want to bring him up and why I had you on the show. But I've heard mixed reviews on Twitter just by searching at different things. Some people are saying this guy is a turnstile. Some people say he's a reasonable swing tackle backup, which is what the Steelers are actually looking for heading into the draft. How would you describe the Raven Clark? So there was a stretch in training camp last year where Jordan Mailata, the Eagles starting left tackle, and Andre Dillard, who was their backup left tackle, is now signed with the Tennessee Titans. Um, both got hurt. I think they had concussions or something. And Laraven Clark, that their third string left tackle option, was running with the first team for, like, I don't know, maybe three or four days there. And uh, the results weren't pretty. <laughs> he, he clearly, um, yeah, he, he struggled in a big way. Now, that being said, I feel like throughout like preseason games and, you know, uh, kind of maybe going up as the second team left tackle or a third team, you know, I, I feel like I've seen some competency out of him. I don't feel like he's a total waste of time. I think he's a swing tackle. You know, he's a guy that ideally you don't want starting. But if you have to, and let's say more so for like a game or two versus the whole course of a season, I think you yeah. can kind of manage that. You know, he has a lot of experience for a backup 64 career games uh, played and then 18 started and he's also played at guard in addition to tackle so you know he has some versatility um you know again not some kind of long-term fixture but if he's your swing tackle for a season or two i I think that's reasonable 
Yeah, I mean, and people, Steeler fans, I mean, I'm sure this is every fan base, but they freak out about these signings. Like, look, if the Steelers draft a tackle in the NFL draft and he turns out to be a legitimate player and he could be that swing tackle, this guy might not even be on the roster right. come cut right. down day, but still a former Eagle nonetheless. Now, I think the biggest thing here, and maybe this is a part where you want to ask me questions, is the mm. signing of Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds signs a one-year deal, which the, the financials were just released, uh, I believe, Sunday morning that I yeah. saw. Wow. Like I was absolutely stunned that the Eagles were able to get him for this deal, which makes me think either the Steelers didn't want him back. He didn't fit what they were trying to do in the secondary anymore, or he didn't want to come back and just wants a fresh start. Were how, how exciting, how excited are you all to get Terrell Edmonds in your secondary? Cause you did lose some safeties and some cornerbacks this uh, off season so far. Yeah, they lost. Uh, the Eagles lost Marcus Epps, and, who basically almost played every snap for the Eagles last year at safety, and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who is obviously a, a playmaker, led the NFL in interceptions. He ends up signing with the Lions in part because he really, I think, uh, misplayed his hand and, and misread his market. Uh, <clears throat> with Edmonds, you know, I, I have to believe that's part of a bigger trend in terms of safeties. Really, I don't think got what they want for the other than Jesse Bates, who the Falcons yeah. gave like twelve billion a year, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, a lot of safeties, I don't think exactly got what they're looking for, and there's still a number of safeties out there on the market, uh, like a John Johnson and so on. So, um, uh, I, I think Edmonds is a fine signing. It's a one year deal. You mentioned it's like six hundred k guaranteed. He's not even necessarily a lock to make the roster, but they had to do something. They had to sign someone at safety and he has starting experience. He might be a stopgap for them. He's young enough where they can talk themselves into, okay, if he plays well, maybe he can kind of, you know, be back for another year or two or whatever beyond this season. Um, it's interesting the fit because, you know, I'm looking at his snap counts over his career at the Steelers and you can speak to this. I'm sure uh, played a, a number of different roles uh, in that. I was looking at the plurality of his snaps each season came in the box but he's also played a good amount at slot corner and then free safety as well. Um, seems like he's a versatile guy. He is versatile, but you got to temper Eagle fans' expectations for this. He is a he does not provide splash in any way, shape, or form. You know, uh, I was just talking about this on my podcast last week. He's not a Bob Sanders that is just like a a bullet, a missile in terms of hitting you. He's not going to bring in interceptions. He has, I would say, below average uh, ball skills. He is unbelievably durable. He's very reliable. He's an in-the-box type of guy, can cover tight ends, running backs in the flat, even wide receivers. Uh, he's a he's very versatile piece. He will be missed in Pittsburgh. I, I think a lot of people were kind of Steeler fans. When I had that tape, they're like, oh, my gosh, how are you talking so poorly about him? Well, I'm just speaking what I think and what I see, but ultimately he is a valuable piece, and he's going to be an asset for you, especially after losing two safeties. If you could get a – a safety that compliments him like Minka Fitzpatrick did in Pittsburgh, that's when he can really thrive. But Terrell Edmonds, I, I still saw those financials, and I'm just thinking this has, to yeah. me, writing all over it, that either the Steelers were done with him or he was done with the Steelers because there's no reason they couldn't afford him. But I do want to ask you a couple Eagles. Well, I guess, do you have any questions for me about Terrell Edmonds? Because I'm telling you, I, this guy's been with the team for a long time. <laughs> I do think it's kind of interesting, I guess more commentary than questions, but I, I do think it's interesting how, you know, uh, the Steelers didn't pick up his fifth-year option, but then ended up bringing him back anyway. That seems like kind of an unusual path to take like they did last year. Um, I know he was, like, sitting out there until right before the draft, and they were like, all right, well, we'll bring him back for another year. And then it seemed like last year went, like, reasonably well. Not great, but from no, what I was yeah. getting the sense, like, uh, even things I saw written at behind the steel curtain were like that. You thought he might be back for, you know, another one-year deal. Yeah. Um 
I think he's kind of like a Marcus Epps replacement for the Eagles. Uh, you kind of just said there, like Marcus Epps was also not a flashy kind of playmaker kind of guy. Good tackler, uh, solid starter, durable. That, that kind of seems to kind of be like a one-for-one one replacement potentially for the Eagles there. Um, I think that's all I had on him, though. Now, the, the the thing to keep in mind about the fifth-year option is that when the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, who was drafted in the same draft earlier, they had to make a choice. They're not going to put that much money into the safety position in terms right. of guaranteed dollars. So they chose to pick up Minka Fitzpatrick's fifth-year option. They let his go. That's the reason why they didn't pick that up. It wasn't because of a, a poor play. But, you know, you just see this guy's market is not that great. And so the, it's kind of one of those situations where I think Steeler fans sometimes overvalue some of their own players and thinking like, Oh, well, he's going to be valuable across the league. Recent history has shown that that's not the case, but let's, let's talk about the Eagles for a second. I'm very fascinated by what you think in regards to the roster. You have lost a lot of players this off season and coming off of a, a super bowl that man, it was up for, it was up for grabs. We'll put it that way. It was, <laughs> it was I'm not going to get into the minutia of that. I'm sure you don't want to either. Uh, what do you think happens first? Do you think Jalen Hurts gets a deal and they try to get that done? Or do you think that they're going to just try and fill out a roster for another run this year? Because with Jason Kelsey coming back on a one-year deal, I'm thinking that they're thinking that this is going to be the year. How do you think they approach that this offseason? Yeah, I, th- I think they want to get a deal done. Um, I don't think it's like it doesn't have to be done you know, this month or before. the. I don't think it's like a rush to get it done in the next month or so as much as they probably at some point before the season here. Uh, obviously, he's playing the last year of his rookie deal this year. And I just don't think, you know, they want to <laughs> go yeah. through this season with a lame duck. And I don't think Jalen Hurts wants, rightfully so, wants to do that. And he shouldn't because, I mean, he had like a Super Bowl MVP kind of worthy game. The team didn't win, but like he reasonably could have won that award even in a loss. Like he he was that great in the Super Bowl. And obviously he was kind of a, a regular season MVP candidate until he got hurt. He was actually the favorite, the betting favorite, right before he suffered that injury against the Bears that cost him to miss uh, two games. Um, so... You know, I, I think the Eagles have no doubts about him. They're going to pay him, and and they should. They should want to too, because they should want to get out in front of Joe Burrow and um, yeah. Justin Herbert and and yep. Lamar and all these contracts. So I, I fully expect that to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, look, you know, is there going to be some regression potentially from last year because he was so great? Of course, that's always going to be on your radar. But I think for the most part, you know, this is a player they really believe in and and proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. I wasn't the biggest Jalen Hurts guy in terms of. I didn't like know that the passing talent was fully there, um, but he made a huge leap. I think it's even bigger. Like people were talking about him making a Josh Allen kind of leap last year. I think it's even he made a bigger leap than that. It's it's kind of crazy what he did, and I think kind of a part of what you believe in Jalen Hurts so much um, is like the intangibles, the confidence, the leadership, um, a lot of the will to win. Like, Nick Sirianni has talked about that. It, it, some people might roll their eyes. He, he compared it to Michael Jordan, the the will to win, not necessarily, you know, like the, the career, the talent level, but just the, uh, the pure desire, not really caring anything else about winning football games. That's definitely true about Jalen Hurts. As the Eagles as a whole, do you see any regression coming next season with them as a team? Or do you think that they're just going to keep the pedal down and they're going to be favorites in the NFC once again? I mean, when you look at the landscape of the NFC, uh, you have to like their chances because yeah. the, the quarterback competition just it's not that great. No. Now, uh, you know, some players might emerge, you know, let's say Justin Fields. I, I'm not a big believer in him personally, but in theory, you know, he could take a big leap. Maybe some of these rookie quarterbacks come in. Um, someone comes into the Panthers and is awesome right away. Who knows? But uh, for the most part, it seems like you, the Eagles have the best quarterback in the conference. Now, that being said, there's an inevitable regression in that they lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost a bunch of starters on defense. Um, they're they're They were healthy 
for like incredibly healthy, the third healthiest team in terms of adjusted games loss measured by football outsiders last year. They had like all 22 starters in the Super Bowl healthy uh, week one starters. That is so uh, there's definitely some natural. Uh, they, they set the franchise record for wins last year, 14. Like, yeah. There's no way they're going to be. They, they almost broke the NFL record for sacks. Like they were so incredibly good. And that's not even, I, I feel like, anyone being a bummer about this year as much as it's just a testament to the success of last season. Um, so there's an inevitable step back. And look, for as good as they are in the NFC, the other one of the other best quarterbacks in the conference is Dak Prescott, and he's in the division. And you also have to consider there hasn't been a repeat uh, for for anyone saying that the Eagles are just going to definitely be back in the Super Bowl, that's pretty bold when you consider that there hasn't even been a repeat NFC East winner since 2004. <laughs> it's just not a division that yeah. you see anyone dominate like consistently. That could change, and just because the Eagles don't necessarily win division doesn't mean they can't make a Super Bowl. Um, but it's just it, my point is like nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. Last question for you before I let you go. And you know, Nick Sirianni is another Western PA guy, and he actually has a lot of roots in and around at Pittsburgh. I think he grew up a Steeler fan. Uh, you know, this guy was like the the running joke on shows like Pat McAfee for a long time, and now he actually takes his team to the Super Bowl. Um, you a Sirianni fan? And what is the what do the Eagles fan base think of their head coach? Yeah, I've always kind of been, uh, I feel like, neutral on him. I think people made too much of the press conference, his first one that, you know, was happening, like, basically still, it was like early 2021, so, you know, still COVID, um, he was in front of an empty room, and I don't know, like, I, I saw Doug Peterson bomb his first press conference. I don't think that gets talked about enough in relation <laughs> to Sirianni. Like, Doug, go back and watch Doug Peterson's press first press conference. It was awful. I think it was worse than Sirianni's, but, like, you know, who cares? He, won his, he ended up winning a Super Bowl. Clearly, yeah. like we don't need to read into the Super Bowl too much. And I was surprised people did with Sirianni because of what happened with Doug. Um, I think Sirianni does a lot of things right in terms of uh, managing the culture. And uh, players you know, seem to like playing for him. And the vibes have been uh, typically pretty good with this Eagles team throughout. You know, I think the players, like, such as Hertz, and the leadership there is also a big part of that. Um, I think Sirianni does a lot of things right in terms of uh, almost, you know, if I'm going to nod to the Steelers here, like Mike Tomlin being that CEO type of head coach, not necessarily having to be the offensive coordinator, the play caller and being super yeah. hands on, but kind of managing things from a bigger picture level. And I think that's working out well for them. Uh, he's still not as aggressive as I like him to be. And I say that he's actually like the most aggressive. I was going to say coach. he's pretty aggressive. <laughs> but that's the thing, like in the Super Bowl, you know, there was multiple chances there where like they could have went for it and it would have been really aggressive. And I got discouraged after the season because he was like, well, 32 out of 32 head coaches probably would have done the same thing. And that's just not the answer I want to hear. Um, only one coach wins the Super Bowl each year, not 32 yeah. out of 32. So you kind of have to be different. Um, now, you know, that's kind of personal preference. And I, and I think that kind of just speaks to even the most aggressive head coach in the NFL, maybe not being aggressive enough. Right. is a problem of the league and the mindset <laughs> of coaching in general. And also just the reality that I'm not making the decision. It doesn't matter to me. You know, like I'm not at risk of being criticized if i make a mistake um but for the most part you know i think he's done a really good job and you know the big thing moving forward for him is okay the eagles lost shane steichen they lost jonathan gannon like how does he fill out this coaching staff because that was a big issue with doug peterson post super bowl era he wasn't really able to fill out the staff in a good way it got a lot worse um and even andy reed who obviously had a huge run in philly um, but eventually same kind of issues he just lost so much coaching staff talent that he couldn't replace it and he made a lot of mistakes uh by the end of his eagles career so that's kind of the big thing for him moving forward 
Be careful what you say about Mike Tomlin. Steeler fans, there are a lot of Steeler fans oh, that still man. hate this guy, even though I, I love him. I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan, but I know a lot of fans can't stand him. They got to get back to the playoffs and win a game. But anyways, sure. Brandon, thank you for your time. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can find you on places like social media, your podcast work, your written work, all that stuff. Well, real quickly too, Nate Herbig. You didn't mention him. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Because you know, Nate Herbig is it was a Jet last year, and so my yes. mind immediately was like, oh yeah. Yes, please feel free before you end the podcast or before we end this podcast, tell us a little bit about Nasty Nate. Because I like I like Nate Herbig probably more than most. Um, I think it's crazy how young this guy is. I mean, he's he's only twenty four still, and he's yeah. been in the league what for four seasons now. Yeah, he entered the league yeah. as a twenty nineteen undrafted free agent. That's pretty crazy. I mean, I can't. I don't know the guard age top prospects off the top of my head in the 2023 draft, but I have to imagine there's some who are around like his age now, or like 23, yeah. 24. So he's incredibly young. Um, he, he was 20 at the time he signed with the Eagles, <laughs> and uh, he's a guy with 28 starts and 44 games played. He's played um, more. He's, he's mostly like a, a right guard, but he's also played at left guard. He. He's not a, a great snapper, but in a pinch, he can play center. So I think that's an underrated signing by the Steelers, and I would keep an eye out for him. Um, I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know what your depth chart looks like there, but I think as at least as a backup offensive guard, I think you could do a lot worse. And he's a big dude, too. He's 6'4", 334, yeah. so he's like a mauler you're looking at in uh, the run game specifically. So uh, I like that signing by you guys. I thought that was a nice underrated pickup. Um Nasty Nate. Nasty, nasty Nate. Nate. Love it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up. My gosh, what a host I am. I forgot a freaking player on the list. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have brought him up if I didn't like care about him at all. I just I, I think he's a nice backup player to have. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, uh, you can check out my work at BleedingGreenNation.com, uh, Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Coming up in our 10th year of wow. podcasting about the Eagles. So that's pretty crazy. Started back in like October 2013. Um, and then same thing for me with Bleeding Green Nation. It's been 10 years running the site. So uh, crazy. The time flies. But uh, check Man. that out. And also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowden. Brandon, thank you for your time and your expertise as always. Until we talk again, man, have a good one. You too. All right, see ya. Introducing Batiste's Sweat Activated and Touch Activated Dry Shampoo. With breakthrough technology that absorbs oil and releases bursts of fragrance whenever you sweat or touch your hair for up to 24 hours, it's the ultimate hair care for girls on the go. Try the newest dry shampoo that's activated by you. Batiste, the future of hair care is here. Buy Batiste Dry Shampoo online or in store at your nearest retailer. And a big thank you to Brandon. I know the dude is a busy guy. He does a lot of stuff. He covers a lot of teams, and he does the best Philadelphia Eagles coverage you can find on the internet at bleedinggreennation.com. Check him out there. But a big thanks to him for taking the time and being a part of our show on this Monday morning. Uh, other than that, I want to remind all my Ride or Die crew to keep a lookout on Tuesday. Find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, Hit me up with the mailbag questions. I'm going to have a lot of questions to answer, I'm sure, on Wednesday's show. We know how we do that on the second half of every Wednesday podcast. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. And as always, all of the content on the Steel Curtain Network, make sure you're following us and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on our social media channels. We have Steel Curtain Network on Instagram, Steel Curtain Network on Facebook, Steel Curtain Network on Twitter. We are all those places. I think we are even on TikTok. I don't control that, but I think we are even on TikTok. 
Go to all those places. We are not at 100 followers on our brand new Steel Curtain Network Facebook page. Uh, I run that one. I, I love to see the interaction. I post a lot of funny questions about the Steelers and stuff like that. So go give us a follow there as well as on our Twitter feed. We don't want you to miss anything, and that's how you stay tuned in. So, all right, folks, that does it for me. It's a great show. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. In the meantime, you know how we finish out all of our shows. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.